All right, guys, welcome to another episode of the Precision Rifle Channel podcast. I am here with my good friend Chris Giddings of One West Sports and Proof Research. Chris, how are you today, sir? Hey, I'm good, Travis. Thanks for having me on. I, I really appreciate the opportunity. Oh, absolutely. I've been uh, excited to have you on. We've been talking about doing this since SHOT Show, and I'm glad we were both able to make our schedules work to, to get this accomplished today. Yeah, same here. I'm excited for this discussion, and I think there's a lot that we can cover, and I always appreciate my conversations with you regarding uh, the, the things that we're going to talk about. So, yeah, I'm excited for it, too. Perfect. So before we jump into our different topics of conversation, can you give our listeners a quick overview of what it is exactly you do? Sure. Um, my day job is I'm, a, I'm an NFL sports agent. I represent NFL players. And, you know, usually in the discussion, this is where people say like Jerry Maguire. And I say, yeah, like Jerry Maguire. And um, which that's fine. It gives them kind of some reference for what I do, which is uh, even though the movie was only, you know, marginally correct, not very correct. Right. But, Hollywood. but uh, yeah, very much. But it gives them it gives people an idea that that I, I represent players. Um, I negotiate their contracts. I work on endorsement and charity deals and appearance deals for them, um, basically manage uh, those types of affairs. So that that's my day job. I've been involved in that uh, one way or another for over 20 years and um, have been on my own now for uh, about eight years. So I've had my own sports agency for eight years. Nice. Uh, and then most people in, in, you know, that would be listening to this podcast would know me uh, as a shooter, you know, I've, I've been shooting for a long time. I started out with in pistol, then I went to three gun and then, uh, s several years ago, uh, switched to long range. And my, my longest sponsor is proof research and I manage the shooting team for proof research, the, all of the competitive, uh, shooting team, the sponsored shooters, uh, also help out with match sponsorships. So I'm, I'm helping on, on basically everything that we do with the competitive side of brand ambassadorship for proof research and have been with them for probably, I don't know, five or six years or more. Um, and I do have other sponsors, uh, as well. Um, and the, the final piece I would add is that I write very part-time when Jon Snow, uh, lets me for outdoor life. And that has been a lot of fun. It's really been fulfilling and, um, I just I thank Jon Snow on a weekly basis that he's given me that opportunity. That's awesome. I didn't know you were writing as well. That's phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Um, I don't do it very often, just because I, I mean, with trying to fit it in with everything I do, and then trying to fit it in with the the uh, editorial cycle, and you know when when uh, the magazines are coming out and everything, I don't don't always get that opportunity. But right. I love it. It's a lot of fun. Terrific. Terrific. So. With your extensive background in sports marketing, as being a sports agent, being involved in the precision uh, shooting sports for several years, I think that you know our topics of conversation today um, are definitely something that you would have great insight on, and that's why I'm so excited about this. And one of the first topics, or actually the first topic that I wanted to talk to you about or ask you, pick your brain, was with... Precision Rifle growing tremendously in the past three to five years and, you know, different things happening within the sports from 
sponsors to manufacturers to athletes to uh, to the two different series now. Where do you see the sport of precision rifle headed? Yeah, great question. And there's a there's a lot of discussion about this right now. I think it'd be easy to to point to some of the other shooting sports and and see a very similar trajectory. You know, I was I was in three gun when it took off. Right. right. I, I got into three gun just uh, soon enough you know, before it really took off and then was there and watched it just just uh, increase dramatically. I think that we're at that point, you know, we're at that, that, uh, on the launching pad and it's just started to, to take off. Um, you can see the popularity and how much it's grown just in, you know, matches filling up the number of matches. And with that brings money, brings companies that are looking to, um, capitalize on this market. Um, and they're trying to get in now when the market is, is growing rapidly maybe they have new products or maybe they have old products or they're constantly innovating products. You've got new companies that are being formed uh, all the time that are, that are as a result of this, of this uh, growing market. So it's, I think it's an exciting time. I think it's, I think it's great. You know, I would love to do my part to, to see it grow for everybody's benefit. Um, there are downsides. And if people have been through this before, you know, they, they would know some of those downsides, but, um, overall, it's a positive thing, and I, I'm I'm just excited for our sport, Travis. To be honest, no, I couldn't agree with you more. I think the the sport is on a definite upward growth. I mean, when you see companies out there that were never really into the precision rifle market previously, um, starting to branch out and manufacture precision rifles or or components for precision rifles, um, it really tells you that there's a shift in the tides towards that demographic and it's um it's exciting but it's scary at the same time because the sport is as far as what people would consider quote-unquote mainstream for what it is right now you know it's all relative but for as fast as it's grown the sport is really only about five or six years old even though people have been practicing this discipline for 20 plus years so in a relatively short amount of time, this sport has exploded. Do you think that this growth is sustainable or do you think it's going to eventually have to taper off into something more professional? I think, I think if you follow again, the other, the other shooting sports, that's probably our best indicator of what's going to happen. Now, maybe long range will, do something different that's i mean that could happen but the best indicator is the other sports and and what typically happens is the you experience rapid growth over several years and then you kind of level off at some point and then depending upon the people that are in the sport the the people who are who are running the leagues like you know like you and shannon k uh, people who are involved in helping run those, the match directors and the people, I mean, everybody involved and the decisions that they make will determine whether or not the sport uh, kind of stays at that level or whether it decreases. And we've seen both, you know, we've seen both with shooting sports in the past. Um, what I think it's, what, what I think we can see is that there's enough appeal with long range shooting 
that I think it's going to continue to grow for a while before it tops out. I don't I don't think we've seen the the plateau yet. Um, but it is a sport that is fairly easy to get into, and I think if we as a group do everything that we can to um, bring new shooters in, create categories that it, where it's the you know easy for entry, um, and that's in terms of the guns, and the optics, and everything, then we'll see we'll continue to see more growth. So you keep referencing looking at other sports, three gun, IDPA, USPSA. All of those sports, I, I may, maybe not three gun because I'm not 100, you know, well versed on three gun, but all of those sports have different divisions or categories. Do you see a need for additional divisions in precision rifle in order for the sport to grow? Oh, wow, good question. I don't, I don't know about that. I, um, I think that's that'd be a great debate, but uh, I don't know. I mean, because we do have the production division. You know, you've got the um, tactical division. So th those those two divisions are probably, you, you know, especially the production division. The whole point of that is to get new people in. Right. right. I think I think what we just what we need to do is we just need to continue to feed it the, the production division. We just need to give it continue to give it resources and and encourage people to, to do to go there. I am really excited about the fact that that this year we've got several production rifles that are being made by different companies, right? MPA just came out with one. Um, I mean, there's, there's several that are, that look really legit and look like great, uh, rifles. Right. So that, that's going to help people out too. You know, in the years past, you just had, you only had a couple options and, uh, now they're going to have all kinds of options. And I think that diversity or not that diversity rather, but that, Willingness for major manufacturers to see that need and to be able to offer something at a entry level price point is going to make a huge difference. But when you start as a manufacturer and you get into this game uh, of a precision rifle, where, you know, from a manufacturing or from a sponsorship standpoint, where or what do you really do to get your name out there? Yeah, that's a that's a great segue into um, using, you know, brand ambassadors or sponsored shooters. Is I mean, it's a, the same thing. Right. To to get your name out, and it could be uh, it could be a new company, or it could be an old company with a new product, or an old company that's been around and is in you know other markets that wants to get in this market. So you know, how do you how do you go about that? Um, you know, I, when I talk to, to, uh, brands about using sponsored shooters or brand ambassadors, if I'm talking about my, my NFL uh, clients, I talk about, there's basically five levels of, um, of brand ambassadors. You've got your elite level athletes. So, you know, in sports, that'd be like a Michael Jordan. Right. You're, you're talking about somebody who's completely dominant. And, and nobody even really argues, you know, the fact that they are in the shooting sports. Um, you know, I would think of like in three gun, I would think of Dan Horner. Right. Right. Or Jerry Michalek um, on the women's side, Lena Michalek. Like they they are completely dominant. I mean, Dan, I don't think anybody's beaten Dan. I could be wrong, but I don't think anybody's beaten Dan for years. 
Yeah, I don't think so. He's at the elite level. Right. In the long range game, yeah, I don't. I'm not sure we have anybody yet. Um, we've got some people that are that are close. Yeah, that's a that's a good debate, isn't it? Like, is somebody is somebody at that dominant level, right? Yeah, because and I was thinking of that when you were talking about Jerry and Dan and so on and so forth, and I'm like, we have some really top level shooters, but nobody who's ever really ran away with a season or a championship. Well, or who's won it year in and year out, right? You know, that's what Dan's done. I mean, right. nobody's beat him for years. So the next tier is probably where you'd see the lo- some of the long range shooters, and I, that's what I would call just their top tier shooters. They're to- the top five percent in any sport. They they have tremendous value also in terms of brand, uh, you know, amb- ambassadorship. Um, but they all, unlike the elite level, if you're Let's say you're a new company and you can tie yourself to a Dan Horner, right? You don't need Dan to do much other than to use your product. Right. Just just having a picture of Dan, you know, on social media or in a newspaper article saying and saying Dan Horner is using our, you know, whatever gives you tremendous brand awareness. And that's what you're typically looking for at the with the top um the top athletes is just brand awareness. You want to get the name out about your brand. As you go down the tiers, the top, the next tier, the five percenters, what you're looking for from them, they're going to bring some brand awareness, but you also need them to market a little bit for you. Like their, their value typically and how you would use them is you, you need them to kind of get the word out and be a little more active, you know, so do a little bit of social media, but they're, they're um, respected enough and have enough following that they are going to bring brand awareness just by the fact they're using your your product. The next tier would kind of be the solid shooter tier, you know, the the shooters who are the top ten in most national matches, and then you know they they might not be at the finale, but they're they're um, in most matches they shoot they shoot they're kind of steady Eddie, and they might every once in a while you know get win one or be on the podium. They have great value too in terms of, um, you know, they've got to, they, they're going to bring less brand awareness, but they've got to market more, right? right. They, they've got to, they got to be good in terms of how they market either in a, uh, you know, face to face or, or social media. And then the, the last two are just a local influencer and then the kind of an other category, the local influencers, they can sell a lot of product for companies. And you see smaller companies that they're really good fits for, for them, you know, and they go out like in their local market or their local clubs and, and they're really well respected shooters in those areas. And you get small companies sometimes that, that tie into them and, and that can be kind of successful in terms of, um, driving some sales. So I don't know if that makes sense, but you asked the question about, you know, if, if you were a small company wanting to get in the, 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 uh, the first thing is. You got to understand what those tiers are and what are you trying to accomplish? Are you trying to accomplish brand awareness across the country? Are you just trying to, you know, trying to increase your sales in one local area? You know, who are the people that you're trying to influence with these brand ambassadors? Well, which brings up, I mean, a, a very good point because I think nowadays with the, the outreach that people are able to, to obtain through social media, and things of that nature, even the smaller companies, you know, that once were more focused on local or regional type sales, 
are starting to gain a lot more popularity throughout our community because of social media, which I think a majority of the people in this sport right now are on that second or third tier level that are still, you know, sponsored shooters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. That's social media is driving so much, right. In terms of marketing, not just in the shooting sports, but in our country today. But the beauty of social media is that, you know, small companies can have a huge impact. They can, they can impact their sales dramatically with social media and, Having a an effective brand ambassador program is key to that, right? Because they they can they can only send out so many tweets and so many Facebook posts, you know, and and make them interesting and and engage uh, followers and and drive sales. Right. But w- but when you have a whole group of people out there that are respected and are listened to in whatever group that they operate in, then you that number goes up exponentially. And, you know, each brand ambassador has the potential to then go out and create other brand ambassadors uh, right. around them. So, you know, which is very interesting because now, you know, I'm going to play devil's advocate real, real quick here. We have a ton of brand ambassadors out there, sponsored shooters. And you'll see one season they're running XYZ product. They tell everybody how great it is. The next season... Uh, whatever reason they change to a different product and they talk about how great that is. And then that same season, XYZ company launches a new product and everyone's talking about how great that is. Mm -hmm. Can you believe what all of these different brand ambassadors are saying? I mean, how much value in what they're posting is actually believable or a sales tool? Yeah. Yeah. Great, great question. I've seen that as well, right? I've seen people post things that seem to indicate that, well, hey, so-and-so is sponsored. So, you know, therefore we can't listen to what they say. I would disagree with that. And the number one reason is that the vast majority of sponsored shooters um, in, in long range, I mean, the vast majority are getting product or getting a percentage off of product, right? There's very little actual cash that's that's going on here in terms of sponsorships, right? Um, and even say, and I only say that just to give perspective, because most people, no matter what they're getting from that company, they're gonna they're gonna use the products that they want to use that they believe in. That's like 99% of the sponsored uh, shooters out there, they believe 100% in whatever product it is that they're using. Right. Occasionally, you'll get people that if you've got two products and I get sponsored or I get a you know deal on one, well, yeah, why wouldn't you use one if and you feel like two are pretty similar? You do occasionally get some people who are kind of in it for the cash or the swag or whatever, and. You know, that's okay. Good on them. Um, I think after a while, people kind of figure those folks out and they become less influential. But I wouldn't want I don't I don't think the logic that, hey, just because somebody is a is a brand ambassador because they're sponsored that you shouldn't listen to them on that topic. I mean, where does if you follow that logic, then where does that lead to? Like if I 
if I sponsor a match and put a bunch of um, barrel certificates on the table and people pick them up and then later on they're talking about how great those barrels are when they're shooting, should we not listen to them? Right. Because they, because they got to, you know, I mean, cause if that's, if all of that's true, then companies should not be sponsoring shooters and we should not be putting certs on the table. You know, you shouldn't be getting, having prize tables, right? And it, that doesn't make sense to me. I think, I think a combination of understanding, um, that when Michael Jordan is marketing, you know, that that's the level of marketing you're looking at, right? That right. we know that Michael Jordan's getting paid, you know, but Hey, he believes in his shoes, you know? And, and I would throw one other thing out there, the further up the rung you go in terms of the tiers we talked about, the, the shooters in those categories, they could, they could probably be sponsored by anybody they want. Right. Right. I mean, you know, within reason, but you know, if, if a top, top shooter says, calls up a chassis or a barrel manufacturer or an optic manufacturer and says, yeah, I'd really like to switch to your product. They can probably do it. Right. So they're, they're choosing, they're, they're choosing the, the companies that they want to work with for a reason. And that's because they believe in those products. And I, I agree a hundred percent with what you're saying. And just to add to that is a lot of times I believe you'll see shooters jump from one brand or one product to another because our times are changing where people are constantly pushing the bar and creating new products. And what was great last year is still good this year, but there's a, a new greaterness, if that makes sense. Yeah, sure. That's the, you know, products are being innovated and you want the best products that you feel like are going to give you um, an advantage or help you out. You, you, you know, we don't always know what's going on behind the scenes either. So right. re remember that these are companies and things change at those companies. So maybe the person that was running the brand ambassador program for the last two years uh, left or got fired. Maybe that company is changing their sponsorships and they're no longer going to be sponsoring shooters. There's, I mean, there's any number of things that could be happening behind the scenes that we don't know about. And you might not necessarily get that story online because, you know, it's not going to benefit anybody if the sponsor shooter says, yeah, you know, I was really upset because they, <laughs> you know, right. they were supposed to do this for me and they didn't. So I just, you know, I switch. I mean, that doesn't help anybody. Of course not. So there, there could be any number of reasons in addition to just the innovation that is happening at such a rapid pace in our, in our sport. Now with that, to, to me, there's also a certain level of responsibility that a sponsored shooter should, um, be responsible or accountable for. Um, you know, when I was doing sponsorship for different sports, we always, you know, anybody that I dealed with, and I bring this to the NRL, anybody that we deal with, we want to make sure that they get well beyond what they're providing me back in return. So if proof, you know, sponsors the NRL with XYZ product value, whatever, I want to make sure that whatever that value is, I'm giving well over that back in return in marketing and advertising and video and whatever it is that we negotiate and talk about. With individual athletes, a lot of them, you know, 
they throw their logo on their jersey or whatever it is. You know, they have stickers on their rifle, whatever it is. But is that where it ends? Or do you think athletes, sponsored athletes, should be doing more? Yeah, uh, also good question. I, When people come to me and they, they ask, you know, how do I become sponsored? Or I, I'd like more sponsors. You know, how do I do that? I think the first question you have to ask yourself is, are you sure that's what you want to do? You know, there's um, you have to you have to ask yourself if your personality really fits with being uh, a salesperson, a marketer, because right. I mean the whole point of what you're doing is you're you're taking product or or a percent off a product or whatever in exchange for helping that company to drive sales. That's at the at a base level. That's what it is. Now, I'm sure there's situations where companies say, you know, we don't really care about that. We just like this person. We want to give them some stuff to, to support them. Great. That's, that's awesome. But the vast majority of these relationships are based on, we're going to give you this in exchange for you helping to sell us. And I've, I've had that conversation with plenty of people. And some people say, well, I, I'm not really good at sales or I, I don't really want to sell anything. I, I just want to shoot. That's probably not what you want to do, you know, if you're entering this relationship, right? right? You probably don't want to take product. And I think you don't want to go into this, like you said, just doing, looking at the bare minimum, like, okay, I'm going to put a logo on my jersey and then I've done everything that I need to do. You, you know, if you do just the simple math, right, of whatever product somebody gives you and you try to figure out what, you know, what their profit margin is. And at most it's probably 50%. And in this industry, it's probably in many, on many products, it's significantly less than that. Right. So if they give you, you know, a product that is worth $3,000 and their profit margin is 30%, right? So, um, that's roughly $2,000 of product that they're giving you. So in order to pay them back, you, you've got to sell, at least two of those products and probably more because you got to figure that they're not just in it for the actual product they give you, but the time to administer it, the time they they're taking, you know, all of that costs money. Um, they took that product off their shelf and sent it to you. So, you know, you're probably looking at selling four of those products to break just even. for the, yeah, just for the one that they gave you, you know, at 50% off. And then they're just breaking even. And if they don't do more than that, then, you know, why did they do this? Right. They, they, they could have, they could have spent it on any number of other marketing efforts. So, and if you, if you don't want to think like that and you don't want that to be part of, you know, what you're, you know, what you're dealing with in your shooting, then being a sponsor shooter might not be for you. Um, so ROI, we call ROI, which is return on investment. Most people have heard that that term you need to you need to think about ROI and you it's it's not a bad conversation to have with somebody if you're um, with between the two parties before you go in so that there are clear expectations about what they're looking for you know and what you know what how much they want you to, to help sell and and it it doesn't always equate to okay I've sold five widgets this month right that's that's difficult to do uh, although I have seen I have seen programs where you have, 
you know, a code and a discount code or something, right. you give it to people and they keep track of it. And, and that's a really great way to do it. But, um, you're right. You got to, you have to go into this if you're going to do it thinking, how do I exceed their expectations? Well, the only way to do that is if you know what their expectations are. Which is a very good point. But so my next question is not, but I apologize. My next question is, you know, you deal with professional athletes, NFL players who they sign a XYZ sponsorship or brand ambassador contract. And a lot of times you'll see them in advertisements, whether it's it's a, a digital media or print or appearances or things of that nature. Our sport, for the most part, doesn't really embrace that right now. Why do you think that is? I don't know. Um, I've had that conversation with some companies um, and tried to tried to see if maybe they're open to it. And I think one of the reasons is they're just not always open to it. Now, I mean, you listed you listed a pretty broad uh, uh, bunch of marketing, right? I did, like, yes. I I'm so on the on the back end of that was things like appearances and charities and you know uh, that kind of stuff. I think there's actually room for that in our sport. Right. Like I, I could I could see some of the um, especially the top tier and the elite athletes. I, I've been suggesting to companies that they start thinking about some ways to use those those uh, brand ambassadors, you know, in at events or at get togethers, um, getting them together with their clients uh, or people that buy their product in you know large amounts or big clients, get them together and watch what happens. It's amazing, right? Mm -hmm. They, many times the, your biggest customers, they're tired of talking to you. They love to talk to your brand ambassadors, right? right. And, and hear what's going on with them. Um, in terms of some of the TV commercials and some of those things, I think there's room on, on social media, now that with social media to do, to do more, um, to do more video there. Um, TV is expensive, but it's possible. You know, you, right. you again, like using a, a Dan Horner analogy, you know, Dan Horner um, on outdoor channel, um, you know, for a, a product makes a lot of sense. You know, Jerry Mitchellix has been on on the outdoor channel before, I think. So, you know, some of that does make sense. And, and I think it's just people starting to open up their minds to what the possibilities are and. I've really enjoyed my conversations com coming from the NFL world where we do so much of that stuff. And we do it even down to small companies, right? And, right. and appearances in small towns. I'm, I'm constantly working on, you know, smaller appearances and smaller charity events with NFL athletes in places, you know, you wouldn't realize. That's, that's actually 90% of what we do is, are those types of things. So in the shooting world to, if somebody was to think, well, we're just a smaller company or, well, there's just not enough money. Actually, that's – I'm not sure that's true, and I think there could be a tremendous return on that investment. Great points. Great points. Now, a slight shift in topic. We're, I mean, we're coming towards the, the back end of our show here. When you hear people saying, hey, I am a professional long-range shooter, uh, you know, this is – we're, we're the top 20% of the shooters out there in the country, so on and so forth. And people are starting about starting to talk about making a living as a professional 
precision rifle shooter. Do you see that as an immediate reality or something that is still three to five years off? Well, I think if you can combine, um, I think if you can combine several revenue streams uh, from the sport, I think it's possible now. Um, I don't know that it's possible now to get us a, a sponsorship that's at the level where someone could live off of it, just a single sponsorship. Right. But close. The, the amount of money that is starting to, to come to this sport is absolutely getting there. And I, I think we could get there. Um, I think you'll see next year, probably some of that. And, what companies are doing is they're seeing the value of it. You know, I, there's, there's companies, Travis, that are in our sport that barely existed three years ago that are now at the top of our sport. And the only marketing they've done has been sponsored shooters. Right. So, you know, that those are examples of if, when it's done right, it absolutely can work and it can build companies and, and make them very successful. Well, if you have a comprehensive plan and you know how to use each of these tiered athletes, then starting to invest in an elite level uh, or a, you know even a top tier and starting to, to, to write checks that are actual cash um, makes a lot of sense because the return you're getting on that investment can be, can be well worth it. Um, I know in other shooting sports, both pistol and three gun, there are, there are people who are making a living. So why wouldn't it follow that that uh, that would happen here, especially when we're the fastest growing shooting sport? No, very good points. Very good points. So with that evolution of the sport and athletes starting to get paid and it becoming a quote unquote more professional sport, a big topic, you know, over the past year has been jerseys are are jerseys still relevant are jersey shooters um here to stay or the thing of the past or how does how does that work moving forward with new marketing dollars coming in and new exposure um and the whole sport growing sure yep i've i've had that question quite a few times like are jerseys dead you know should our jerseys kind of passe um i don't think so you know i um I think there's several reasons for wearing jerseys that are good reasons that we need to kind of keep in mind. I mean, why, why we started wearing them in the first place. And I, I do know that, that some people say it's gotten a bit NASCAR, but, um, you know, NASCAR doesn't seem to have a problem with viewership. Right. Right. I mean, that doesn't, the fact that people have a thousand logos on their cars doesn't seem to drive anybody away from, uh, NASCAR. Um, what I would tell shooters is, and I, I this is part of my advice, is I think it's better to have a smaller quantity of sponsors but do more for them and build long-term relationships. I don't – both with my NFL clients and in the shooting world, I don't like what I call smash and grabs where you just get a product and like you said, do the bare minimum and then you know move on. I don't, I don't think that's a good approach. So I would encourage people to do less – sponsors do more for them and build long-term relationships so you have you'd end up with less logos now why do we have jerseys well several reasons number one 
many times the marketing people in the companies that we're, that we're sponsoring, they want that content, right? They, they want to be able to take that photo from the match and then put it on social media or put it in print advertising or whatever. And it's, it's easily recognizable that you're using their product, right? Cause it's, it's on a logo on your gun or it's a logo on your jersey or whatever. There's another reason I really like um, jerseys on our on our shooting team, and, and that's because, you know, I would say that most people recognize a proof research jersey when they see it, right? Absolutely. We've been using it's basically our brand, right. right? So we have brand recognition. Well, when you see a proof research jersey in a in a parking lot at a match, I hope everyone feels like they can go up to that person, talk to them ask them questions, relay a problem that they might have, um, ask them advice, whatever, right? That's an, that's it should be an open sign for anybody there that has a question about proof research products to come talk about it, right? And, and um, we try really hard. We want people that are warm and welcoming on our team and that uh, love to talk about the shooting sports and about shooting and about guns and barrels. So, um, that shouldn't, that should never be a problem. Now that's not to say that, I mean, we all have bad days and you know, nobody's perfect and all that, but I mean, we're, we're still human beings, but, um, you know, that's part of the point is it's a sign basically says, Hey, if you want to talk about, you know, our product, you know, we're, we're here. Um, I don't certainly want anybody to feel like they need to wear a Jersey to feel, to, to feel like they fit in. That should never be the case. And I think as the sport moves towards being more and more professional or more and more money or whatever, we still need to make sure that we're embracing the the new people or the people that are trying to go up the tiers or whatever. You know, we still need to have a, a place under the tent for everybody. And um, that's that's becomes more and more important as the sport grows. I agree 100 percent. 100%. It's funny because we've already been here for almost an hour talking and there's so many more questions that I have for you. We might have to do a, a second or even maybe a third segment later on down the road to get all of my questions and thoughts out for you. <laughs> well, thank you, Travis. I, yeah, I agree. It's gone fast. I've, I've, um, I've got all kinds of notes and stuff we haven't even gotten to, you know, the things that for the brands, like how to do a you know, how to do an effective campaign and all kinds of stuff. But maybe, maybe, um, this will spawn some conversation amongst, uh, your, your listeners. And then we'll have qu- more questions to answer. Uh, maybe they'll have be remarks, disagreement, right? <laughs> maybe yeah. they'll be <laughs> disagree with love, much of what we said. And then we can answer that. You know, the, the, the great thing about the show is we want to hear from everybody, whether, it's you know agreeing with what we say or disagreeing it's we truly try to keep this an open forum and answer everybody's questions and get everybody's insight on it just because you know chris is is you know at the top of the level of what he does um doesn't mean that he's always going to have 100 percent of the right answers but just being honest with you, ninety percent of the time that I talk to Chris, he he's always pointed me in the right direction, except for maybe a couple of cocktails in Vegas. 
I, I make no warranties about anything in Vegas. <laughs> right. <laughs> so one of the, the questions I like to ask all of our shooters, and I know, um, you know, our topics of conversation today have been more on the administrative or the business side of the shooting sports, but you've been an accomplished shooter for several years. And one of the things I like to ask all of our shooters that are on the show is if you had to pick only three things besides your normal rifle gear that you had to go to a match with, what would they be? And what I mean by that is an example is I've talked to a shooter in the past that said he will not leave for a match until he kisses his daughter goodbye. Mm. Um, another shooter has in the past said that they always have to have granola bars in their bag. Otherwise, they just don't shoot well. Mm -hmm. Do you have three must-have items whenever you compete at a match? Uh, well, first of all, Travis, thank you for the nice compliments. I, I appreciate them. Um, and I, um, yeah, thank you. I'm humbled by them. Um, that's a tough one. I'm not, I am not uh, kind of one of those guys that has those deals you know like I, I play college football and we had guys that had to have their socks a certain way and you know I I've just never been like that what I what I absolutely am all about is I'm a checklist guy I have a lot of different things going on right I'm okay. trying to run a sports agency I'm I'm uh, you know I've got proof research and all the stuff I'm doing for them so if you were to look at my desk right now there's like checklists and there's lists of thing to do lists. Like I'm a lister. So in order to not forget anything, I've got checklists. I've got one for if I'm flying because that's a different little different set of gear and you've right. got to remember certain things. And I've got another one if I'm driving and man, I'm fanatical about that. That's number one. Number two, um, I practice, uh, I practice quite a bit. Like if, if I am, I don't feel good about going to a match if I haven't put in the range work and both dry fire in my garage. I, I do that a lot. I mean, I wrote an article on that in outdoor life. And so a lot of people talk to me and give me ideas on dry fire practice. Um, and number two at the range, I, I've started doing a lot more dry or a lot more live fire. And I, I implement different, uh, things like Jerry, Jerry Karloff once told me, he's like, you know, make sure you're putting in a dummy round every once in a while that you don't know where it's at. Right. Like, so right. I do that. Um, so yeah, live fire uh, practice. That's, that's a big thing. I, I want to make sure that I've done plenty of that. And the, I guess the third thing is my dopes usually squared away. Like I, I spend a lot of time making sure and shooting at distance and making sure that I at least I think it's right. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't that the truth? <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, Chris, I really, really have appreciated our time together. You are a wealth of knowledge. And it seems like I said, every time we get together, new ideas and new uh, topics of discussion come up and they're always awesome. Um, we're definitely going to have to do this again. We just, um, we're just simply running out of time, brother. I know. Thank you so much for having me on. I, Travis, I could talk to you forever about this stuff. I, I appreciate it. You've, you've got a lot of knowledge too. And I think that's, what's fun about 
getting you and I together is, you know, your, your knowledge and mine kind of intersect and we're bringing, um, together marketing ideas into the shooting sport. So that's the, uh, to me, that's a lot of fun to other people. It might be boring, but, (laughs) (laughs) but I, I think it's, I think it's, uh, really exciting stuff. I, I think to be honest with you, I mean, our background for people, I'm sure people know, but you know, I own a, a marketing and media firm as well. And so having conversations like this with like-minded individuals is invaluable to me. And it's only going to help the sport grow and give us better ideas of, of how to help lead the sport. So you've been a, a tremendous help in all of that. We appreciate you. And uh, we look forward to talking to you next time, sir. Yeah, thanks, Travis. Appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. We'll mm-hmm. talk soon. Bye.